It is the starting 1199.1, the sports animal. Will West, Chris Carroll, top 11 topics in the world of soccer every Friday night on Friday nights during the basketball season. You can always catch the podcast, 991dsportsanimal.com. Chris, we're at point number one. Let's go ahead and get to it. With United's record-breaking 9-0 win over Southampton, is it time to believe in Solskjaer's squad? Well, I think it is, and I think really more importantly, I think they're starting to believe in themselves as a squad now. Um, they're, they're interchanging a lot now, the players. They look confident. They're not relying on the same one or two players. Um, they're relying less on one or two. They're just and, and they're all coming in, and, and they're just if, if they're making changes, it doesn't look like they're missing a beat, you know. And so I think that they're looking confident. That the the strength is throughout the squad now, and. Um, yeah, which is pretty ominous for for everybody else at the moment because they seem to be hidden form. They've been they've been so up and down, and they're still a little bit unpredictable. But I mean, after a nine nil win, let's see what happens next. But uh, but I mean, they couldn't be flying more high at the moment. I believe that it is. I'm not saying he's elite, but he looks a lot better now that they have veteran leaders instead of relying on a youth movement. Probably still a title contender, definitely a top four contender. They they still are inconsistent, but right now who isn't, right? In the EPL. My question is whether or not whether my question is whether this is good enough for United fans, because you are spending thirty percent more than any other team in the EPL right now, and you're not really knocking off those top six teams. But they have been incredibly consistent against the middle of the table and back of the table teams that they have played. I guess my only concern is or, or question is when did this become okay for Manchester United to outspend everyone by almost a third and then still say, hey, look at us, we're at the top of the table right now and maybe we finish with a top four finish. I just would think with Manchester United, that wouldn't be good enough. If you're a United fan, maybe may, maybe expectations have just lowered and it's been a train wreck for the last few years and so the fact that Manchester United is competitive again and is sitting at the top of the table right now, even though I don't think I know anyone who thinks they're going to finish the season atop the table. But when you're spending more money than everybody else, you'd think that being just being in the top four conversation and being at the top of the table in the middle of February, beginning of February, that wouldn't be good enough with a franchise as storied as Manchester United. But it seems that maybe it is. You'd hope that they'd be at the top, wouldn't you, if they'd spent that much money. You would expect it at Manchester United. I think the Man United fans, they're that, they're that pleased that there's no big dramas going on, that they're quite, they're sort of almost for a, a peaceful life. They're happy that there's no big incident at the moment with with your your Pogba going, you know, your Pogba or 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 your uh, Harry Harry Maguire at the back, you know, he went through to the start of the year. The defense looked to shambles. Everything all all of a sudden, everything looks rosy in the garden, and and they're above Liverpool as well, which is another big thing. They're happy. I mean, they're used to be being below Man City right now. They go quiet about Man City, but the fact that they're above Liverpool, they're happy with that. There's no big drama. There's no big uh, incidents happening there. And so, yeah, they're, they're second place. But you're right. They should be there with with what they've spent. With the, I mean, they've got a whole array of stars there and names and and, and what have you. And, and again, you're right. I believe that the, the experience that they brought in with Fernandez and, um, and, and Cavani at top, and I, I think he's... I think I think that's really helped, as you say, the, rather than just depend on the youth movement, you know, which which was a dangerous game to be playing. You know, one thing about United that I can't help but wonder, Chris, if this is something other teams should try to emulate, is that they brought in veterans. And too often right now, we'll see a lot of teams in the EPL. You want to go find that guy from Italy, that guy from Spain, that guy from Germany, France, who's 23, 24 years of age and looks like a wonder kid. 
by in, instead of bringing in established veterans that are 28 to 32, somewhere in that neighborhood, that can help be a calming force and can show some of these young guys that maybe you have in your dressing room right now how to be pros. I can't help but wonder, Chris, if maybe that's a trend that other teams need to try to follow the Man United showing right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, but I think the experience is massive. There's no, you can't put a price on that. And I like you, Giroud. Olivier Giroud at Chelsea is a classic example of, of the experience. He's, a, he's, a, he's a, uh, a World Cup winner. Whenever he plays, pretty much every time he scores, and 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 he's, but not just his results on the field, but you get the spin-offs in practice and in the locker room with these guys because they've been around a while. Their habits are obviously good. They're good trainers. They 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 look after themselves. They eat well. They're they're last off the training field all the time. You know, and, and they just, and the young guys look around at these guys and go, "Whoa, you know, okay, is, 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 this is what it takes." You know, let's get respect to that guy. So then it it, it kind of spreads throughout the team, and it, and it, it breeds a good, just a good, healthy lifestyle. You know, and a good, a good solid pros. And and I think there is too much emphasis these days, or that, or teams are quick to to get rid of an investment. You know, oh, and he's, he's only got three years left of his of his career, you know, better get shot of him else we won't get any money for him. But really those three years of, the, of his career can be really invaluable in bringing something to that, the team that he's already at. All right, point number two tonight, Chris. Brighton knocks off another big six club. What's behind Brighton's turnaround in the last week? I'll tell you exactly what it is. Last week, I said Graham Potter's job was under threat because of their poor run of form. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there you go. And of course, guaranteed then was that Brighton were going to win a few games. So you're welcome, Brighton. Um, I think I've stolen a line of yours there from <laughs> from Burnley the week before. But um, yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's, it, it's their turn, basically, isn't it? They'd not been walloped by anybody all season. They, hadn't had a, they weren't taking beatings. They, they were playing well. And they were just missing out on games. And so they, they couldn't get away from that relegation zone. They weren't in it, but they just couldn't put a run together of a, a couple of games. Well, they put a, a run in the last week of three games. All of a sudden, I was at nine points, and all of a sudden, they're, they're looking comfortable or sitting a lot prettier anyway. So I'm going to take a little bit of credit for that by putting you know making graham potter think about what he was doing and um and no they, they've had some great wins leeds i mean spurs sorry uh will uh, and liverpool liverpool away the other day you know so i mean who who'd have thought and it just shows that that's it's going on all through the season we're getting teams clubs going on little runs like this uh, and either you know getting themselves out of trouble or nudging the top six uh, and it's just so hard to predict. I, I tell you one thing I, I do agree with you on, Chris, is Brighton has played everyone tough, especially the last two months. They drew Liverpool, they drew Wolves, they drew West Ham, lost by a goal to City, Arsenal, and South, uh, Southampton. Problem is, though, they also drew Sheffield United and Fulham twice. Mile Pace seems to have responded after his benching where he ended up leaving the field, if you remember, a few weeks ago. But they, they also got Tottenham without Harry Kane, 
and Liverpool without Allison Becker and uh, Virgil van Dyke. And so they've, they've been a good team who has played well. And if they are facing these top six teams while they're injury plagued, they can beat those teams. And that's what's happened so far. But I, I do think Graham Potter's done a good thing by fixing what was wrong at the back end. They've done, you know, he's done a good job of fixing what was wrong at the front end after he got that back end figured out. And now it does look like they're going to be clear of relegation or they have a good shot to be clear of relegation. But I can't help but wonder, I mean, do we really think they would have beaten Tottenham without Harry Kane and they would have beaten Liverpool if Allison Becker was in goal? No, no, I don't. But there's, there goes your good fortune sometimes, you know, and you've got to make the most of that good fortune when it comes your way because Brighton will be the first to put their hands up and go, you know what, we've been robbed in a few games this season, so we'll do a bit of good luck. Uh, I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, then you, you, you look at your... Look at your Spurs and your and your Liverpool's and 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 they'll go. You know we're we're missing missing a bunch of best players, our top players. You know so Brighton took advantage of it. They haven't. They they are looking stronger. They're creating chances. They look like a good team. You know they, again no big superstars. They're looking like a good a good solid um, good solid team who play for each other, play playing for their manager. And and it you know yeah let's they've taken a, they've made the most of the look that's come their way. Point number three, Chris. Power rankings. Which five teams in the EPL are playing the best today? It's got to be Man City. I mean they're absolutely on fire, and they're just chipping away now, game after game after game after game. They don't look like losing. All the, all their troubles have gone away. All the goal scoring troubles that they were in, you know, have, 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 there's no issue anymore. The defense is solid. And I mean, they just look nailed on, don't they? Now, in my opinion, and uh, I think they're last lost in the league to to Spurs in November, and um, no one can get close to them. Even when they're just at, they have an average game now, and they'll just put somebody away two nil. And uh, yeah, they're looking they're looking so good. While all the other teams are up and down, uh, there's a few teams running to form the last few games, but City they've just been just been seem steady now. Number two? Uh, number two, I think you're looking at West Ham. I mean, where they come from? Uh, one loss in the last six. Um, looking great. I've done, done, some good, done some good business in the transfer window. They're, so they're looking good. Leicester, there's a cluster of teams, very similar records at the moment. West Ham, Leicester, Man United and Arsenal, I think they're the top five at the, at the moment in terms of absolute form in the last five games that they've played, five or six games. Um, now, assuming Arsenal aren't going to make that top four, those those are the four teams. It looks like they could be the top four, especially if they keep the form going. Um, Liverpool aren't in there at the moment. And I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I, Liverpool might miss out on the top four. And, and still, a couple of weeks later, it's looking like their form doesn't suggest that they would make the top four. So City, West Ham, Leicester, Man United. Not saying they're going to end up top four, but that's the, that's the top four uh, ranking teams right now for me. Yeah, for me, I have City at number one as well. We have the same five teams. I just think we have them in a little bit of a different order. I have City at number one. Uh, Ederson hasn't allowed a goal. I don't know if you've seen this stat. I just saw it last night. Ederson hasn't allowed a goal since November 21st to, a, first to an opposing player in a Premier League match. That's absolutely insane. It was Gio Lo Celso, if that tells you how long ago it was, that Ederson allowed a goal to an opposing player. They figured out the front somehow, some way, by hook or by crook. 
with all the injuries that they've had, Jesus is there for a second. De Bruyne is there for a second playing at the, you know, at the forward position. Um, it, it's kind of been by committee. Phil Foden's figured it out. But, you know, last year we looked at that back four that Man City has and kind of said, okay, there are problems back there, and Ederson was a problem. Gracious have they figured those positions out. And right now they're getting enough scoring, it seems like, and they're creating enough from the midfield to, you know, to, to set up scoring opportunities and they're finishing those scoring opportunities off. So I have City 1, I actually go with United 2, Liverpool 3, West Ham 4, Leicester City 5. We'll come back on the other side. This is the starting 11, 99.1, the sports animal. Just had a transfer window, though, and it wasn't necessarily the most active. But which team in the EPL helped themselves the most during this transfer window? We break it down next on the starting 11. Looking for children's soccer coaching outside of the club scene? Carroll Sports Academies has been coaching soccer for over 18 years. Their professional coaches keep it fun and build confidence while providing structured classes. Years of experience has helped shape their fun soccer curriculum, which prepares players for competition. Never played before? No problem. Beginners and experienced players are welcome. They truly believe children of any age should receive quality soccer coaching. Check out their website, carolsportsacademies.com. Yeah, Starting 11.99.1, the sports animal, Will West, Chris Carroll, top 11 topics in the world of soccer. Every Friday night, you can catch the podcast, 991thesportsanimal.com. We're at point number four right now, Chris. Which team in the EPL helped themselves the most in this January transfer window? Well, Liverpool did a bit of business, which I had to do. They had to get a couple of central defenders. Now, whether it'll remain to be seen how successful that is, but they had to get him in, and they got uh, they got um, a Turkish international, Kabak, playing at the back, and uh, Kabak at the back, and Ben Davis of Preston North End, uh, a young, young, uh, a young central defender as well. Now, how successful they'll be, or whether they're just you know, quite frankly, whether those two players are going to be coming in and, and just be a, a, a similar to what they've already got as, with young defenders who can fill in now, that remains to be seen. But they've been seen to be doing something. Um, I think what's paid the team that's sort of, or the player that's paid dividends more immediately is Jesse Lingard for West Ham. It looks like they've, they've spent some good money. He was immediately successful the other night, scored two goals. On his debut, and quite remarkable, really, when you think that Lingard hasn't played a game all season for Man United, and he gets, you know, he gets a, he gets a transfer to or a loan move to West Ham, who who on a team that's struggling down the bottom, they're pushing they're pushing for top four, and he can step in and score and score two goals against Villa, who who are no mugs at the moment either. So it just shows, doesn't it, how you can you can be you can have a player, you can be. United they haven't used him. They'll be looking around. They've bought midfield players left and right this season, looking to fill a gap. And the guy's sat sat on the bench, or not even on the bench. You know, he's in the club. So um, he's gone to West Ham. Good for him. And um, looks like he's, he's reignited his his season and his career over there. Yeah, I, I think it's Liverpool as well. I, I've wondered for years why no one has poached Ben Davies. Ben Davies has been the best defender in the championship for the last two years. And they got him for around a two billion pounds, two million pounds. Um 
I'm floored with this. Honestly, it's a guy that I wish Todd would have picked up with all the issues that they've had at the center half position. So to, to go get Ben Davies from Preston, a guy who was, um, again, in my opinion, and I think he is at least the consensus is the belief best defender in the championship this year. But I think over the last two seasons, Ben Davies has been the best defender in the championship. And so Liverpool needs to shore up that position. What do they do? They go get the best defender that the championship has. And I can't help but wonder, Chris, I'll just ask you, do you know, if this guy was Portuguese, if Ben Davies was was German, or if you know if he was Italian, if he was French, I, somebody would have dropped twenty twenty five million pounds on him and not thought twice about it because of how well he's played, especially at the age with the consistency that he's shown at a position of need right now in the EPL. Why do you? It, it's bothersome to me that it took this long for somebody to go snatch up Ben Davies from Preston. Absolutely, yeah, they they, they would have, and they played an absolute fortune for him, and I did ask. It's kind of a bugbear of mine, and I really do believe that there's lots of that there's British players under the noses of the teams there that 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 aren't picked up because they haven't got a Portuguese last name or a German last name or whatever, and and they're just and they're all solid players. And again, Lingard, I know he's not he's not an unknown, but as I say, he's been sat he's been sat at Manchester United. There's been a, there's obviously been a problem with with him and someone at the club, and. Um, he goes to West Ham, and they're not known for buying the superstars either. And he and he clicks and scores a, scores a couple of goals. So, so yeah, Ben Davis is is a great for two million. I mean, he's just you you just take the chance, wouldn't you? You know, and um, you, you can't really lose two million. It's nothing these days. And it, Liverpool, they're on a no lose with him there. And 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 like you say, he's been attracting a lot of attention over the last few years. Um, Preston have been doing well. They've been there or thereabouts in terms of the playoffs for the last. Oh, well, they're always there the last few years. And um, and so he's obviously been doing well. And, you know, good luck to him as well. He's got himself a good move to Liverpool. All right, point number five, Chris. Give us one EPL team who should have made a move during the transfer window but didn't. Well, we're here again. And I said it this time. I think it was this time last year when Kane got injured. And I think Spurs should have got a striker, a backup striker to Kane. And now, lo and behold, he's, he's injured again. <clears throat> And it was only what for about three weeks ago, Kane and Son were on fire, and I was predicting Spurs to be comfortable top four. Since then, it's all gone a bit pear shaped, and Kane's got injured, and 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 Mourinho for some reason doesn't like to have a like for like replacement. Just to, just to go, okay, Kane's injured. Here's his replacement. We'll keep playing the same way, and. For me, and I don't know, I, I, I'm, you're more of a, you're obviously a Spurs fan, Will, and so you've watched them a lot more than I have. But I really like Lucas Mora, and I don't know why, instead of disrupting the whole, the whole line and the way they're playing, why you don't just drop Lucas Mora in for Kane and 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 get on with it, you know, and until Kane's fit again, and that's the way it is. And I think Lucas Mora, when he did that, he did he did well, and he was successful on the on the run into the Champions League, and. Um, it, it just either either they should have bought a backup, or um, well, they definitely, in my opinion, they do they do still need a backup to Kane and or Mora. Yeah, I, I went with Tottenham as well. I, I just think that Jose should have done something. Look, the, the problem with Tottenham is this: I mean, they just they're so reliant on Harry Kane and 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 Son that yes, they needed another striker there, but they they also have guys that 
that look like that have scored goals before and have done it a number of times from a number of different positions, but they're not giving those guys a try because they're struggling when it comes to the defensive setup that Jose wants. Um, I also just think in the midfield right now, Tottenham has problems at the back center back position, especially if Jose is going to be somebody who is just so demanding that they play the ball out from the back and he doesn't care if they lose. He doesn't care if they draw lesser teams. By gosh, he's going to play it out from the back. I, go get help at the back. That's the one thing that I would say about Tottenham. The other team that I would look to is Burnley. I cannot believe that they didn't get Sean Dyche help. You brought in a new ownership group, and I know everything that's going on with COVID, and I know fans aren't in the stands, so there's going to be lost revenue when it comes to that. But you came in, and the expectation was going to be from this ownership group that they were going to allow Burnley to be at least somewhat competitive. And instead, from what they've told the press, well, everyone's healthy now with Burnley, so Sean Dyche doesn't need anybody. They Just add a player. That We, we talked about this the last two weeks, Chris. Why don't you add just one player just to make sure that you stay up and you can sort out the roster the rest of the way that you need to this summer and then fans will most likely be back in the stands in the fall. It makes no sense that Burnley's not giving Sean Dyche help, but they're just saying, okay, now we're healthy, so go figure it out. I cannot believe they didn't bring in another scoring option because let's be honest, with a compacted schedule the way that we've seen this year, it's not unlikely that someone will get injured again. And if that someone is Nick Pope, what what real hope does Burnley have? I mean, they're going to struggle to stay up, even though they've won a couple of matches as of late. Point number six, do you question whether the game has passed Jose Mourinho by? It's a really weird one, isn't it? Because he, 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 he does not seem so stubborn. I don't think he's passed him by. I don't think he's... He, he's won so much. He's won pretty much everything in club soccer, hasn't he? So he's won it all. So he hasn't done that by accident, but he ju- he has his way of playing, and it, and it seems like he's just not going to change that way of playing just for anybody, and 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 he doesn't care who he upsets by, by by doing doing it. And if you look at his time at Manchester United, it was you speak to all the fans at the time, and it was just seems terrible. It was a, a real terrible few months or a couple of years or whatever it was that he was there, but he, he wins a Europa League and, a, and an FA Cup, I think it was, you know, and he walks away from these clubs going, well, look, I've won, you you know, I've won the title, I've won this and I've won that for you, you know, what are you complaining about? Um, so I, it kind of passed him by, but he just seems so stubborn. He's got to do it. He's got to do it his way. And it's, and he, He's, he's obsessed on defending and counter-attacking. Now, every every team has to defend and every team has to attack. So, you know, that's, that's there's nothing new there or sort of revolutionary, but he just seems to invite pressure, invite pressure, invite pressure until there is a mistake. And then he'll go, well, we, we lost 3-1 to Liverpool because of three defensive mistakes, which which they were. They were, they were, they were awful defensive mistakes, all three goals. But... If you sit back and just let somebody attack you, eventually, eventually the dam's going to break, you know. And 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 so they, you could really argue, you could really argue uh, that that he doesn't help himself. Let's let's put it that way. And he just seems so stubborn. And but when you do watch Spurs counter attack, you just wonder why they don't. Why he doesn't say to him, just go play and don't worry about defending. You know, defend defend when you have to. But just go out, just go out and play, you know, and, and use the skill, the attacking threats that he's got at his disposal. But it seems like now he's going to do it. He's won trophies one way, and, and that's the way he's going to do it. And um, although when he was when he was winning titles at Chelsea, it didn't seem to be that this much doom and gloom, you know. It seemed, I, I remember seeing he just seemed to have Drogba and Lampard and the like scoring scoring freely. 
you know. So I don't know. I don't know if he's getting crotchety or more more defensive in his in his older age or what. But he, he knows the game. I don't think it's passed him by. He just seems so stubborn with it. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. The game hasn't passed him by, but he is too set in his ways for his own good. And frankly, he's too set in his ways to win with this Tottenham team, I believe. Um, but they are good enough to win from the back, and it doesn't matter what happens. He is going to make sure that they play from the back, and it's just incredible. Also, unlike some of the other teams that he's been on, they're not, because of the pandemic, because Levy's cheap, they're not just going to go out and outspend every other team in the Premier League like some of the other sides that and squads that Jose Mourinho has been able to coach. So you're going to have to do it with, I don't want to say on the cheap because they have the third highest payroll in the EPL right now, but you've got the players that you have. Maybe you get to buy on one more player somewhere around the, uh, along the line, but use the players that you have. Also, let me throw a couple stats at you, if you don't mind, Chris, about Tottenham and Jose. Right now, they're the second most time in a winning position behind only Manchester City. Second least time in a losing position behind only Manchester City. So why aren't they in the conversation for a top four spot right now? They've also had five draws where they held a lead with under 16 minutes of play. And these weren't big six teams. This was Newcastle, Palace, Wolves, West Ham, Fulham. If they had pulled the, those extra two points per match out of those matches and finished those matches off, they would be second right now, one point behind Manchester United with two games in hand. But instead, Tottenham right now is frankly mid-table. And, and and honestly, I don't know where the end of this plummeting is in sight for, for, for the Spurs. Yeah, I'm watching Spurs because of because of the attacking threats that they do have and the potential that they've got. And they, uh, six weeks ago, it was ex- they were one of the most exciting teams to watch. But it's 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 this thing about defending. And then he goes, well, we lost because of defensive mistakes. Well, you, they, you, you, no kidding. You know, I mean, that's just... It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You invite somebody on and you call it we, the, the Spurs-Wolves game. You called it. We were texting each other and you knew exactly what was going to happen. You said, you know, Wolves score in the 87th minute. And lo and behold, I think it was the 80. You're a minute out. I think it was the 86th minute. But, you know, it's it, 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 it's so predictable. And it, and that's the weird thing, isn't it? That's why people go, well, does he, does he know the game? Because... Everybody else seems to be able to predict what's going to happen, um, and and he and maybe he can too, and maybe he's. It's almost as though he's going. Well, look, I'm going to prove that I don't have the right defenders here, or I don't have the right team, or I, and I need more money to spend, or whatever. I don't know. He he doesn't seem worried about exposing his players, which is a, a bit of a mystery, and and. He, apparently, he told his players that before the last game that there's no replacement, no replacement for Harry Kane. Well, surely to heavens, that's not the right message you're going to be sending to your players. When Harry, I mean, everyone knows how good Harry Kane is, and his teammates do as well. But before a game, you go, look, we haven't got Harry Kane today. I don't care. I've got faith in you. You've got your chance. You're going to play number nine today. Go and do it. You know, and, and, and that's the attitude. That's what you want to hear as a player, not, well, we haven't got a Harry and there's no replacement for him, so we're all going to die. You know, it's just, it's a strange one. It really, it really is a character, that's for sure. It's amazing to me, Chris, because everyone knows it. Every Tottenham fan knows it. Every soccer fan that watches Tottenham play knows it. They know that Jose is going to make them play it out from the back. They don't have the players to play it out from the back. They don't have, look, you don't have Deli Alley anymore that's out there creating. You don't have Christian Eriksen. He's not walking through that door anymore. So you have Indombele, an injured LaCelso that was supposed to, those are supposed to fill those shoes. You're not going to play 
Gareth Bale. You're not going to play Lucas Mora. So right now it's just Harry Kane and Son. Can they outscore other teams on the counterattack, just those two guys? And the answer is no. They can't seem to do it. And you're right. Once you get to the end of the games, and as soon as they get a one-goal lead, Jose pulls them back around goal and says, um, okay, yes, just, just let them fire at us at will, and we'll hope to get a, maybe another counterattacking goal somewhere along the line. It'd be one thing to park the bus when you're up 2-0. But he's parking the bus up 1-0 at every single match right now if they're capable of getting a goal. And if they're not, you know, if they, if they don't have a healthy Kane and a healthy son and against some other teams that, uh, honestly, the, some of the better teams out there, he makes them park the bus to start the match and just says, we'll hope to get a counter-attacking goal somewhere along the way. Otherwise, we'll just let them fire off at will at us and let them hold the ball about 60% of the time, which is absolutely incredible to me. It's failing. Everyone knows it's failing. It's not working. It isn't going to work. And there's no end in sight to this. And at some point in time, either they're going to have to part ways with Jose or he's going to have to change what he's doing. I just don't believe that I'd, I don't believe that Jose Mourinho is going to change what he's doing right now. So it seems like we'll just continue to fail until the end of the year. We'll come back on the other side. The starting 11, 99.1, the sports animal. Starting 11, 99.1, the sports animal, Will West, Chris Carroll, top 11 points in the world of soccer every Friday night, 991thesportsanimal.com. That's where you can find the podcast of the show. Remember, Chris Carroll, Carroll Sports Academies, also FC National, which new team, new uh, club team in town. If you're looking for a way to get either recreational soccer or club soccer right here in East Tennessee. All right, we're at point number seven right now, Chris. VAR upheld two questionable red calls in midweek matches this week. Is criticism of VAR this week overblown? Oh, no, you've had your rant and your passion about Spurs. I tell you what, um, now I'm going to be on my soapbox with VAR. It, they, it, the criticism isn't overblown, no. This is getting absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and Southampton seem to have been on the end of it, bless them, the last, the last two games they've played. It, it's getting absolutely ridiculous. They've had... Southampton should have had a penalty. I mean, when, when you think about handballs that are given or not given over the season, and you, so now you, you affect your judgment now on what's been given in the past. So you see, you see, it's Matty Cash, Villa against Southampton. He dives to his left, pulls off a great one-handed save, and you think, penalty, got to be. Oh, he's going to look at his monitor. Penalty all day long. He's got to give a penalty, got to give a penalty. He comes back, no penalty. And you think, how's that happened? And it's just, it just beggars belief. So th th there's that. And then, and then you've got Danny Ings, and he, he scores an equaliser in that same game. Same game against Villa, scores a last-minute equaliser, I think. And he's offside by a sleeve. And now they're looking at a part of the sleeve that, that, that they draw the line at. And they draw another line at the same similar part of the sleeve. And, and you've got three lines then going to a sleeve. They've looked at it 10 times to see if it's offside. If they've got to look at that that many times to see if it's offside, it's not offside. I'm sorry. This is just beyond a joke now. So... No, for me, it's not. And then you got to then then in in the nine nil devastation, you got Bednarek, who's supposed to be, who's red carded for Marshall. For Marshall goes down like he's been, he's been hit with a sledgehammer. There's no contact whatsoever. The ref goes and has a look. You think he's going to see there's no contact. He's it can't be a foul, can't be a penalty. And he goes, yeah, he, you know. And he goes, yeah, penalty. And yeah. It's just, again, it beggars belief, and I don't know what they're looking at. 
and and I've just lost it with VAR, quite frankly. So, no, I don't think the criticism of VAR is overblown at all. Look, I, I understand that there's nothing they can do with the offside rule. If, if that really is being set from Europe and that's not necessarily an England thing, because they're setting it at two millimeters. I mean, how in the world are you supposed to tell us someone's two millimeters off? And who cares if they're two millimeters off? Uh, you brought it up a number of times before. If there's daylight there and we can tell that they're offside, they're offside. Otherwise, why are you overturning calls because of some someone's sleeve or maybe even a portion of someone's sleeve being out past the defender's foot? Th- my problem, though, right now is the, is the things that they can control. They're just flat missing calls. We all saw the Martial video. We all know that he took a dive. How in the world does VAR not catch that? And and that's my problem here is that it's VAR is in place to get it right. The problem is they're not getting it right. Let me ask you, though, about this one, though. The Louise penalty. um, Did you have a problem with the red card that happened there? That was a penalty because he did catch him. And Louise knew exactly what he was doing by running behind him, crossing across. You know that you could, if you run across the, the attacker, he's beating you, he's in front of you. If you run across on the diagonal like that, you're going to clip him. And then what do you do? You put your arms up in there and you go, what, never touched him, didn't mean to do it. And, and Louise did exactly that. So it, that, it was a penalty. It wasn't the, the dirtiest foul in the world. He's got form for it, Louise. He's done it loads of times. Um, but, but it's the oldest trick in the book, you know. So I, it, it was a penalty for me. And he didn't have to swing a leg to, to bring him down. He just had to keep running and make sure that the guy's heel just clipped his, clipped his knee, you know, around the, around, around the knee, at knee height. So, yeah, that, that was a, in my opinion, that was, was a red card. So what about the argument that the, the attacker pulled his leg back to shoot, Louise ran into it, and the referee does have the discretion in that position to be able to award a penalty but not award a, a red card, and Louise would still be able to stay in the game? Well, apparently it's whether he's made an effort to get the ball or not. Apparently if he'd have made a, a, a tackle or an effort, to, an effort to tackle, if he'd have slid in and, and uh, missed the ball, then he could have given him a yellow card, apparently. Uh, but the fact that he made no attempt to um, to tackle the guy, he just ran across and made sure that the guy, that he took him out, then that apparently that's why he could be given a red card. Uh, yeah, which which kind of sounds the other way, doesn't it? Because you'd almost think, well, if he's if he's made a reckless challenge to 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 get a ball that there's no way he's going to get, then he's endangering the player more than just just running behind him. So apparently that's what that was. The, the fact that he hadn't made a, a, a lunge for the ball uh, made him more prone to getting, a, getting that red card. Point number eight, if I gave you Man City or the field to win the Premier League this year, which would you take? Oh, I'd take Man City now all day long. I think they're a shoe in. And the, the, and the field of that up and down. That there's no, they're all unpredictable. I mean, who knows who the who the, the, the four below Man City are going to be over the next in the next month? Um, but I think yeah, Man City. They 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 have no reason to doubt their that their good form isn't going to continue. The rest of the crew, oh, I'm not sure who's going to do what over the next few weeks, to be honest. But uh, yeah, Man City to me, they just seem so solid, and even without Kevin De Bruyne and without Aguero. They just keep, like you say, if it's not if it's not one, it's another one. If it's someone, if it's not someone else, it's somebody else. Uh, yeah, Man City, all day long now. No, I, I agree with you. I'll take Man City as well. The thing about Man City is, as well as they're playing right now, where they're the only consistent and frankly the only dominant team, it seems like. 
in the EPL. They're doing this without De Bruyne. They're doing this with um, so, so Sterling having some issues right now. Jesus has been out for over a month in a row at one single time. They've got injuries all over the place. Ederson has been incredible so far this year. And then on top of that, they're going to get healthy. And when they get De Bruyne back, and when they get Aguero back, that is good. they're just going to get better down the stretch, not worse. And not, so I don't see how anyone catches them right now. When that team's eventually going to get healthy, they're going to get maybe the best soccer player in the world right now in, in, in Kevin De Bruyne. And then on top of that, Sergio Aguero, who I think had the highest goals per minute average last year at the EPL, even though he missed time with injury. That guy can still fill it up whenever he gets the opportunity. So they have a, a multitude of options. And, and tip of the cap to Pep. Because how many times did we hear that Pep Guardiola was only locking it up for, he didn't care about their Premier League, he was going all in on Champions League matches, and that's the only thing that mattered for him. But what City's done and what Pep Guardiola's done is good organizations and good clubs don't make big, sweeping, overreacting changes. They make small, incremental changes, and they keep making them until they're able to get it right. And my goodness, Man City has gotten it right. Point number nine, Chris, our target man. Who are you targeting to have a big match week this week? Mm, yeah, I got Jack Grealish this week. I got because Villa, Villa are playing Arsenal uh, home against Arsenal, and uh, th- this game is going to suit Grealish because Arsenal. It's going to be an open game. Arsenal are going to go for it. They're playing. They're playing pretty well at the moment, and got some exciting players at Arsenal. And so there's going to be loads of spaces, and Jack Grealish is going to thrive in it. I really think so. He, he hasn't. He's been. He's been laying on providing goals. He's been assisting. I think he's got one in the last few games. So he hasn't been, again, he hasn't been as deadly in front of goal as he has been last year. They haven't relied on him as much, which has been good for them. Their goals have been spread around. So I think I could see him scoring a goal or two on Saturday against against Arsenal, yes. Okay, I'm rolling the dice here. I will go with Josh King with Everton for of Everton against Manchester United. It's a little bit of a roll of the dice because King hasn't necessarily broken the starting lineup yet. So um, that that could be a problem if he's not going to play. That would be tough for him to be my target man this week and for me to be successful with this prediction. But it does seem like Ancelotti wants to let have King start matches and have Rodriguez come off the bench and Richarlson be you know at the wing position. And then you have Calvert-Lewin be the other striker and he wants to go with the two strikers up front. I think that's the right decision, but what it means is Josh King coming from Bournemouth is going to have to adapt very, very quickly to what they're doing at at Everton, and I think that he can because you've got Calvert-Lewin who can create his own chances and things like that, and all King has to do is kind of be the target man there in the middle that plays opposite him and links up attack and is able to finish off chances when crosses come by. We'll come back on the other side. Final segment of the starting 11 is next. This is 99.1, the sports animal. Looking for children's soccer coaching outside of the club scene? Carroll Sports Academies has been coaching soccer for over 18 years. Their professional coaches keep it fun and build confidence while providing structured classes. Years of experience has helped shape their fun soccer curriculum, which prepares players for competition. Never played before? No problem. Beginners and experienced players are welcome. They truly believe children of any age should receive quality soccer coaching. Check out their website, carolsportsacademies.com.
Final segment of the starting 11, 99-1, the sports animal. Will West, Chris Carroll, top 11 topics in the world of soccer every Friday night. Move from Wednesday to Friday because of the basketball season. So many Tennessee and Lady Ball basketball games on Wednesday night. Remember, you could always catch the podcast on Saturday morning before the EPL gets started. 991thesportsanimal.com. Point number 10, Chris, why are we seeing so many inconsistent teams in the EPL this year? Well, I think injuries have got to play a big part in this. And it, it has to be because there's been so much talk about it from inside the teams. So many teams have been hit by injuries and not just the odd player here and there, but but chunks of players, you know, four, five, six players at a time that that they've all had, or most teams have had their, their issues with it. So a team's going along and looking good. And, if you, and then all of a sudden, a few injuries and 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 they're sliding back down the table again, you know. And if you, if you think about it, how many teams have been up and around up and around the top, you know, near the top uh, of the table, you know? And City have had their issues, uh, but they're over there. They've been over it, and, um, and and they've got on like we've like we've just talked about. They've got on with it regardless, you know, and come through come through that, you know. Man United were all over the place. They've had. They've had their issues all the way through the season, you know, with your Maguires and your, and your Pogba issues and things like that. But Le- Leicester were at a whole back line for a while, so that's going to affect their their um, their performances and their form. Liverpool, likewise. Southampton were up there. They they got six. First, I mean, they got. We'll talk about troubles, but they've got six first teamers out at the moment. But it wasn't too long ago that Southampton were uh, were up there top four. You know, looking flying and going really, really well. So Everton. I mean, you can just list you list the teams. Pretty much anyone who's up in top top that top eight now or down to the top ten, they've all been up or around that top four, five, six, and and then they get hit by a bunch of injury spurs. You know that likewise, and 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 sliding back down they come, and, and Chelsea also. You know, so I think it, it's the nature of the beast this year. They're trying to pack in all these games. They go off to a slow start, and because uh, of COVID, and 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 the, the injuries have taken their toll. So it's just been an inconsistent team, inconsistent year, and just so hard to predict. So I think it's twofold. I think it is the injuries that we've seen. We've seen injuries to Liverpool. We've seen injuries to Tottenham. We've seen injuries to City. Uh, we've seen injuries to you know the, the issues that they have. You mentioned some other teams that have had injuries as well. I think it's that, but I also think it's the injuries combined with the condensed season. What we're seeing is I think that, look, Liverpool's going to be up for for City coming up this week. But at some point in time, Mo is going to look at it and say, I'm going to have to get my rest somewhere. And that somewhere ends up being matches against Brighton, matches against Burnley, things like that. Because they're going to try to say, okay, I don't have to bring the same level of intensity and the same level of energy every single match. Because Honestly, they're human and they can't they can't bring that level of intensity and energy probably every single time they take the pitch with the way that this season has been condensed. I'm also kind of surprised that we've seen so many matches where cup ties, a league cup, FA Cup, where we've seen starters in the games, you know, up to the 60th, 70th minute or play the entire match or coming in at the 60th, 70th minute just to ensure that they get a victory. I really honestly thought some of the top teams out there would say, uh, to heck with these cup ties. If we don't win the league cup, it's fine. If we don't win the FA Cup, it's fine. I want to be. Ma- I want to make sure that I'm good for the for the Premier League. I want to make sure that I'm good for Europe, and I'm willing to rest my guys and get knocked out of these tournaments early. We haven't seen them be willing to do that, and what it means is you have exhausted players who are mentally and physically exhausted, who are going to try to find places to take their rest 
And it seems like it's big six clubs losing to, you know, bottom half of the table clubs is what we're seeing a lot happen this year. And I think it's because they just don't have the same level of focus, same level of energy that they normally would have if they were to play some of the top clubs that are out there. Point number 11, Chris, your match of the week and your upset pick of the week. Well, my match of the week is, is the big one. It's Liverpool and Man City on Sunday. And like we mentioned right at the start of the show, this this could be Liverpool give, relinquishing their title after this game if Man City win. City will be there could be ten points clear with a game in hand, on you know, and I can't see uh, over Liverpool, and I can't see Liverpool pulling that back at all. So it could be quite quite significant this uh, this this result. It doesn't mean Man City are going to win the league because there's a, there's a there's three or four teams between them and Liverpool who can still have a have a say in that. But in terms of Liverpool holding onto their title, I think that could be that could be that. I think my upset of the week, I know Manchester United are flying, but it would be just like them to win nine nothing one one week and then lose to Everton uh, the next. And and that's my upset of the week. I've got Everton, uh, like you mentioned, you got uh, Josh King coming into Everton now. Uh, as well as as who they've who they brought in this season already, and I think Everton, are, are my outside tip for a place in Europe, they're still they're still going well, and um, that's my upset of the week. I could see Everton upsetting Manchester United, but big big match of the week, Liverpool City. No, you are one hundred percent right. It is it, it is Liverpool against City is the match of the week. It, it, it does feel like an elimination game a little bit for Liverpool in this one. For City, I've seen a lot of people say if they win this match that it's over and they're just going to win the league. That, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But for Liverpool, this does feel like it is a uh, it is an elimination match for them if they have any hope or desire to make it to the top of the Premier League standings before the end of the year. My upset pick of the week, give me Burnley against Brighton, minus 250. Burnley's healthy for the first time this season. Brighton, I know they just knocked off Tottenham. I know they just knocked off Liverpool. And I think maybe the odds makers are looking at that and maybe throw, throwing the odds out there thinking the public will jump on Brighton on this one. But Brighton, again, they beat Tottenham without Harry Kane. They beat Liverpool without Alisson Becker um, this week. And, of course, Vir- Virgil van Dijk and a number of other guys aren't out there playing. Mo Salah looked exhausted in that one, and there were a number of opportunities that Liverpool had that they just didn't finish. I think because of the exhaustion that they had, this is going to be arrested. This is going to be a well-coached. This is going to be a disciplined Burnley team. And I think minus 250 offers way, 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 way too much value for the betters out there. If you're looking for one get match to eh, $25, $50 on, and maybe you get to make a little bit of coin off of it, I think that Burnley matchup against uh, Brighton is the one to go with. Fantastic job, Chris. Do appreciate you. And we'll be back next Friday night starting 11 on 99.1, the Sports Animal.